0: Introducing a 13-time Pro Bowler, two-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year,
1: linebacker number 52, Red. to the stage a 30-year veteran a 10-time MVP
0: with 13 Bible wall appearances under his belt the undisputed leader of believers church coming from the University of Rhema Bible Training Center welcome to the stage
1: Welcome to Believer's Church, man. It gets worse every time I do it, I'm telling you. (laughs) If you're visiting today, we're so excited you're with us. This is Super Bowl weekend, and we have an incredible, fun service for you. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at Super Bowl commercials of the past, 30-second commercials. Each one will be a quarter, and then we have an overtime commercial, too. And we're going to just draw some spiritual truths and parallels from these videos. So here's quarter one, here's our first video.
0: This man right here is my great grandfather. He's the first cat herder in our family. Herding cats, don't let anybody tell you it's easy. Anybody can herd cattle, holding together 10,000 half wild short hairs, that's another thing altogether. Being a cat herder is probably about the toughest thing I think I've ever done.
1: I got this one this morning right here and if you look at his face it's it just ripped to shreds you know you see the movies yet you hear the stories it's
0: i'm living a dream not everyone can do what we do i wouldn't
1: do nothing else it ain't an easy job but when you bring a herd into town and you ain't lost a one of them ain't a feeling like it in the world
0: EDS, managing the complexities of e-business.
1: Can you imagine trying to herd cats? That, that would be really tough. When Gene and I were married, just before we got married, she made me promise that I would never get a dog, so I had to promise that before she'd actually marry me. And then neither one of us wanted a cat. But then our kids got older, and they kept begging us for a cat. So finally we gave in, and we got a cat. We named him Tiger. And I actually liked this guy. I was shocked that I could like a cat. But, but I actually really like Tiger. But uh, I learned a lot about cats when we got Tiger, and I learned they're very difficult to herd. They're very difficult to control. And one of the things Tiger loved to do is he loved to jump up on our kitchen table and on our kitchen countertops. Now, we never let him do it during the day, but we found out he did it at night. And uh, our kids, if they left a glass of water on the, on the table or the countertop, he, he would jump up and he'd try to drink from their glass but he could never reach, so he knocked a glass over, and then he would drink from the puddles. We'd wake up in the morning, we'd see glasses knocked down in puddles, and we knew right away from day one that he was jumping up on the counter. Well, Gina and I are clean freaks, so that really bugged us, thinking about from the litter box to the tabletop uh, was pretty hard to handle. So Gina came up and she, she just made a mixture of Clorox and water, and every morning she wiped down the table and the countertops, every single morning. We're talking about 10 years, and uh, every morning you'd wake up and you'd smell Clorox. And you know, you know how some kids, um, you know, they have those smells that just bring them back to their childhood, you know, like bacon and eggs and, and uh, bread toasting, you know, smells like that. Our kids, it's Clorox. When they smell Clorox, <laughs> it brings back these warm fuzzies like you cannot, you cannot believe. They just think of how cool mom and dad were. But you know what? I bought books on how to train cats. I bought electronic devices that if you put it, it, nothing worked with Tiger. No matter what I did, when we went to sleep, he jumped on our table and on our kitchen countertops. And I learned you, you just cannot herd a cat. And I got to thinking about that when I, when I looked at this video and asked myself what spiritual parallels are in there. And one of the thoughts that came to my mind is you know, as Christians, we're a lot like cats. God's up there trying to herd us, you know, and trying to get us to do what he wants us to do. And, sometimes we we just kind of have a mind of our own. And the thought that came to my mind is God wants us to help him herd his Christians. And I just came up with this thought, Christians are cat herders. God's called us to herd and help him with other Christians and get them to live the life that God's called them to live. But can we all agree? There's, There's a bunch of Christians who are just always catnapping, right? They're just spiritually catnapping, and then there's a bunch that are always coughing up hairballs. You know, that's that's no fun. And then there's there's some that have bad cat attitudes. Bad I mean, they're they bad catitudes just are hard to deal with. And then there are some that just cause catastrophes, right? And that's really bad. Those catastrophes, right? And I uh, want I I just thought, which one should I deal with? And I thought, catastrophes are really common. So I thought, let's talk about cleaning up a catastrophe. And I told you about our cat. Uh, Tiger used to make me proud because he was always killing mice, you know, and that really made me proud. And the first time I saw a cat cough up a hairball, I thought he was, something was really wrong. I had to talk to our vet and find out because they, they make that noise, you know, and it <coughs> whatever it is, <laughs> and they think they're going to die. Well, I, I knew what it was. And one day he's doing it in the front room, and he's right on the carpet, and uh, he's, I'm thinking getting rid of a hairball, right? And, and he's doing, he's working really hard, and then in, in a moment later, I saw, I saw the nose of a, a mouse stick out of his mouth, and then he coughs a little more, and then it's the whole head. He coughs a little more, it's half a body of a mouse, and then he finally gets the whole mouse, and, 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 he, and he just coughs up a mouse. And... It was in him long enough to where, I'm, 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 I'm serious, all the hair was already digested. That's how long it was in his belly. And it was kind of odd because I thought, you didn't even chew it. Uh, I mean, <laughs> there wasn't a bite mark in it. He swallowed the thing whole. Now, you talk about a mess. Cleaning that carpet was, it, it was a mess like you cannot believe. And I really think you and I as Christians, uh, we cough up a lot of mice. And, um, and, and we need other Christians to help clean, clean up some of the things we fall into, some of the mistakes we make. And and that's what this scripture talks about. Listen to James 5.19. It says this, my dear friends, if you know people who have wandered off from God's truth, so he's writing to Christians, my dear friends, people that wander off are Christians. So he's talking to us about Christians. He says, don't write them off. Go after them. Isn't it easy to judge one another when we see Christians fall and we see them fall away? And God's saying, hey, I want you to change your attitude. Catastrophes are going to happen, all right? I want you to be a cat herder, and I want you to try your best to pull them back in. And that's what he goes on to say. He says, get them back, and you will have rescued precious lives from destruction and pre- prevented an epidemic of wandering away from God. And it's typical. If one Christian wanders away, they'll influence some others. So what's God saying? Don't judge. Don't have a bad attitude. He's telling you, reach out and do your best to pull them back in. So here at Believers, we have many core values. One of our core values is no perfect people allowed. Personal file on the congregation. Roughing the pastor. 15 extra minutes of sermon. Repeat last sentence. You know, just before that phone rang, I was saying, hey, listen, if you're visiting, I want you to know next weekend, if your phone goes off, uh, we're not going to point you out because, you know, we're going to love you right where you're at in, in God, phone ringing or not. Hey, that's the end of the first quarter. You guys ready for the second quarter? Check this, check this video out. an awesome commercial. First time I saw it and saw the mosquito blow up, I'm like, whoa, man, there are some incredible spiritual parallels here. Can, can we all agree that hot things clear our head? They just clear everything out if you eat something hot. A couple years ago, I had a pastor friend in Pittsburgh. Uh, he, he was going to be on vacation. He asked me if I'd uh, you know, speak at his weekend services. So I did a Saturday night service, and, and his associates wanted to take me out. And I said, you know, I'm going to just hang myself. And, and I, had, I, I saw this Thai restaurant, and I thought, I'm going to go have Thai. I went to this Thai restaurant, and I was leaning towards this avocado curry. It just caught my eye. But then just before, you know how it is, just before the waiter comes, I made a switch, and I got something totally different. So now I'm waiting, and when they bring my dish, there's a bowl with my dish, and the bowl, it looks like it's guacamole. And so I just, somehow my mind went back to what I almost ordered, and and I thought that's, that, that's that's my avocado curry. So I took a big spoonful and just thought, I'm gonna taste this, see how it tastes. I put it into my mouth, and I brought you know how you bring the spoon out clean. I mean, all, nothing was left on that spoon. And and then something happened. that blew my mind. It was an explosion like I never felt because it was not avocado curry. It was wasabi. And um, if you have never had wasabi, it's number one main ingredient is horseradish, and just a pinch will open up every sinus cavity you have. I put a whole spoon in. And all, all I remember was these words came out of my mouth, oh no. But then I blacked out. I literally blacked out in the restaurant and, 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 and everything just blacked out. And that, I never felt an explosion like that in my life. Every cavity in my body was cleared out. It was the most amazing thing ever. Might have taken three minutes. I don't know how long it took. But when it was done, it did what hot things do. And I learned a very valuable lesson there. And here's what I wanna talk about on this segment. Uh, God's Tabasco sauce blows evil away. God actually has a Tabasco sauce. And what I noticed in that commercial was that guy didn't have to do anything but fill himself up with Tabasco, right? And there are some of you right now here as Christians, you are struggling with certain areas of your life. You're struggling really, really bad. You're white-knuckling it. You're trying your best to obey the Bible. You're trying your best to do what God says you should do in the realm of purity, in the realm of other places in your life. You're trying your best, but you keep failing. And what I want to recommend is you just fill up on God's Tabasco sauce. That will give you the strength to resist anything you have to resist. And I think that's where we miss it so often. Listen to Romans 13, 13 and 14. It reads like this. Let us walk properly as in the daytime. Not in orgies and drunkenness. Not in sexual immorality and sensuality. Not in quarreling and jealousy. So you have some more overt sins. Then you have the heart sins. You know, you have your quarreling. You have your jealousy. Verse 13 is evil. That's what we want to be able to say no to. Listen to verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. That would be verse 13. To gratify its desires. So the Bible teaches us this incredible principle. We can put something on that enables us to say no, what we need to say no to. That's amazing. That's God's Tabasco sauce. Here it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to just call it God's Tabasco sauce. And I have a recipe for you, so make sure you write this down. And I guarantee you, if you begin to fill up on this, it will change everything in your life. And here's the recipe, God's Tabasco sauce recipe. A third cup of God's Word, that's the Bible. A third cup of God's presence, that's worship. And a third cup of God's thoughts. And if you begin to put these on and fill yourself up with them, it will blow evil out of your life. It will change you from the inside out. And I like this. The things you're struggling with, it will give you the strength to resist and say no to. Let's talk a little bit about God's Tabasco sauce, uh, or the first ingredient, the third cup of God's Word. And as we already talked about, when something's hot, it just it cleans you out. And I really believe the Bible is the hot pepper of God's Tabasco sauce. Listen to this. It says in Colossians three sixteen, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now I like that. It's possible for you and I to fill ourselves up with the Bible, dwell in you richly, and the words of Christ are referring to the Bible. and And I love the first word, let. That means allow. So you and I can allow the Bible to get inside of us. And That's all it's saying. Pretty simple. So if you're sitting here and you're a little bit nervous, thinking, "Are you telling me I need to sit in a room two three hours a day and just..." read the Bible. No, that's, that's not what I'm saying. I mean, if, if you can find a day once a month to do that, that'd be awesome. But, but here's what I'm saying. Develop some kind of reading the Bible program. Just read it. And whether it's five minutes every morning, 10 minutes every morning, the more you do it, the more you'll want to do it. But there's a reason you want it inside you. It's the hot pepper of the Tabasco sauce. And then I would encourage you to do this. This is something I do in my life, and, and I love doing it, is I listen to a lot of other preachers and so listen to God's word being taught. And I love when I have to do administrative work, you know, when you're just sitting doing that work where you, you know, y- you can think about other things while you're getting that work done. And I just put on a podcast of a preacher or teacher, and I just sit and listen. It's amazing what it does for me. Every one of us in this room can get into different habits like that that are life-changing. And here's, here's why it's so important to get it in you. Listen to Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God, the Bible, is alive and powerful. There's no other book you can read, nothing else you can listen to, that's actually alive. The Bible is. It goes on and says, it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. And I like this. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So if you can get it in you, it begins to change you from the inside out. It's um, the most amazing thing ever. The Christians that are growing, the Christians that are becoming different and more like Christ... They're just making sure the Bible gets in them. That's all. And ask yourself the question, is that happening in your life or is there some adjustments you can make to to make it happen? Here's ingredient number two, uh, third cup of God's presence. Sometimes when preachers talk about this, they they become weird and uh, they, they just have some conclusions that I'm just not sure are in the Bible. But here's what this is referring to. Worship is the atmosphere of heaven. If you read Revelations 4, Revelations 5, In heaven, where the throne is, they're worshiping constantly. Worship music's always going on. And if you want to fill yourself with the presence of God, you just make sure you have worship going. So let me help you understand what that means, God's presence. Can all of us agree that when you walked in, and then after we sang our five worship songs, that when we were done singing those four worship songs, can we all agree that we felt better when we were done than when service began? doesn't it do something to you to sing worship songs? Don't you feel like life? You you feel peace? You feel joy? And that's what God's presence is. It's God's life, God's peace, God's joy. So what am I asking you to do here? How can you add this uh, second ingredient into your life? Well, I always encourage people, man, if you can, build this discipline. It's a life-changing discipline. I don't get everybody to do it, but that's okay. I'll keep encouraging people. If you could find five or 10 minutes in the morning put on your favorite worship CDs, sit in your private place and just sing the songs. It's, it, it'd be like cologne. I, I, I mean, it'd be like perfume. God's presence will get on you and it will give you strength to resist and say no. It's the most amazing things. Now, if, if you're not able to do that, you say, I'm not ready for that, just play worship songs when you're getting ready in the morning. Play some worship songs when you're driving. It changes everything. And that's why this scripture makes this bold declaration. It says, Psalm 22, 3, but you are holy, O you who inhabit the praises of Israel. It's referring to God. Israel could be Israel, can be Christians. Now we're in the New Testament. But God does something when you worship. His presence comes in. And that's the presence we're talking about. And there are people in here right now, you're struggling with fear. You're struggling with all kinds of emotions that you want to overcome. And I want to encourage you change the atmosphere, and you'll be amazed the strength and the peace and the love that will flood your hearts, and God will do some incredible things. But all that's for naught. We don't add the third ingredient. You'll mess it all up. And the third ingredient is just your thoughts, and it's having God thoughts or positive thoughts. And listen to this. This is a true statement. What you fill your mind with is how you'll feel, right? I've had things that happened to me three, four years ago, and if I think about them for 5, 10 minutes, I'm talking about negative things. If I think about them for 5 or 10 minutes, every emotion that happened when that thing took place, it's released in me. If it's fear, if it's anxiety, if it's hurt, it's, it's all released. And every one of you in this room knows that what you focus on, it's going to flood you and it's going to cause you to feel a certain way. So if I can get you to read your Bibles every day, and if I can get you to play worship music and you, you have the first thing, we will mess it up. You'll mess it up. Halfway through your day, you'll mess it up if you don't control your thought life. You have to learn to control what you allow this to think on. That's why Paul wrote this, Philippians 4.8. It reads like this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of respect, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if something is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. So I'm sure many of you have heard Joel Osteen on TV. Doesn't Joel talk a lot about positive thinking and thinking on the right thing? Why? Well, it's pretty simple. What you fill your mind with is how, you're, how you'll feel. And if you can discipline yourself to think on Bible thoughts and good thoughts and grab something good, think about it, and you make sure all three of these ingredients are, your, are in your life, it's amazing. God's Tabasco sauce blows evil away. And Christians who are overcoming are just simply Christians who have just they're sucking up Tabasco sauce guys that that's why they're doing so well well that's that's the end of the second quarter which means it's halftime and we actually have a halftime show for you so enjoy this show I'll be right back
0: welcome to the Believer's Church halftime report my name is Chet Shennington this is my co-host Tommy Tomahawk and what an incredible first half here yeah, you know, it really lived up to the hype, Chet, and there were some defining moments that went beyond game-changing to life-changing. Very true. Tommy, can you explain some of the key difference makers here in the first half? Well, the key to success in any game is to be able to play through distraction. We're going to take a look in the first quarter when a cell phone goes off. Pastor Joe is making an illustration about how there are no perfect people allowed, and then, boom, a cell phone goes off to illustrate that very thing.
1: Believer's church. One of our main core values is no perfect people are allowed. Personal foul on the
0: congregation. Roughing the pastor. 15 extra minutes of sermon. Repeat. Last sentence. But we're looking at a seasoned veteran here, and so he just scrambles a little bit, but then he finds the open receiver and drives the point home. What an example of his laser-like focus. We see it again in a seemingly insignificant moment where Pastor Joe almost fumbles his iPad, but he pulls it all together and swoops in for the huge save. Yeah, and let's not forget about the God and hot sauce parallel. I couldn't believe my eyes. But then he goes on to make another great play by using Romans 13. You never know what you're gonna get with Pastor Joe. Amen, Tommy. What can we look for in the second half? Well, I expect Pastor Joe to finish the second half strong, just like he did in the first half. Maybe we can see some more funny videos or a personal story, but be on the lookout for the defense to throw out the whole kitchen sink at him. We'll see some crying babies and things along those lines, but Pastor Joe is so locked in, I don't see it stopping him. He is truly in the zone. Well, thank you again for tuning in. This is Chet Chennington and Tommy Tomahawk. We're gonna go ahead and pass you down to Carrie Holliday for the sideline interview. Here I am live backstage. Now, Pastor Joe, it seems that you got into a really good rhythm in the first quarter, and then it continued throughout the whole entire second quarter. What was the key to your success?
1: Well, I studied a ton of film this week, and I knew what the defense was going to throw at me, and I just stayed with the game plan.
0: Now, statistically, the defense is a better second-half team. So what is your strategy going out there now?
1: Well, as, as you can tell, I'm struggling with my voice a little weak, but I know if I stay with the basics, I'll come out.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for your time.
1: You're welcome.
0: Guys, that's it. Let's get back to the stage for the start of the second half.
1: Good halftime show, man. That was awesome. You guys ready for the third quarter? Let's check this video out. It's awesome. We're down to our
0: last two spellers. The winner gets a college scholarship. And the runner-up goes home with free Doritos. Etymology. E-T-Y-M-O-L-O-G-I. Psychology. S. Photosynthesis F-O- pneumonia N- Q U I P U.
1: Alex, you are the winner. Oh, PU. That, that was incredible. You know, immediately some spiritual parallels came when I when I saw this one. It's amazing. Uh, you know, throughout the Bible. People just pursued things that blow your mind that they would pursue. It's just like that commercial, like, who would pursue Doritos over a $50,000 scholarship? I mean, they're good, but take the scholarship, take a thousand bucks out of it, and buy all the Doritos you want, right? But you look at it and think, how could someone mess that up? Well, again, people have been messing that up in the Bible for years, and there's, there's one person that messed it up really bad. All all of us here, most of us here, we know that Abraham is considered the father of Christianity. We call him the father of faith. Then he had two kids. And throughout the Bible, you hear Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But it's not how God intended it to be. It was supposed to be Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But something happened. Someone chased Doritos is what what happened. And uh, so here's Esau and Jacob. They're twins. But Esau was born first. So, whoever's born first is considered the firstborn, and they have a double inheritance, and the family name comes through them. So, Esau's born first. He's going to receive a double inheritance. But one day he was hungry, and he didn't feel like cooking. All the restaurants were closed, and Jacob was eating oatmeal. Now, oatmeal should not not be something you lose your, your inheritance over, right? But he said to Jacob, I want your oatmeal, I'm starving. And Jacob said, it's going to cost you. Esau offered him 10 bucks. He said, no, it's going to cost you. And he said, what do you want? He said, I want your birthright. And do you know that Esau sold his birthright to Jacob? And that's why it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob instead of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. And we read the Bible, we think, how could he be so stupid? But I really think we get on the Esau seesaw quite often, you and I as Christians. We find ourselves on that Esau seesaw seesaw and we forget, and we make get confused. We don't know what's up, and we don't know what's down. What's up? What's down? And we begin to pursue things that it's just like crazy. It's like pursuing Doritos. So I want to exhort us as Christians, myself included, I came up with this thought, while you're living, live for eternity. And you might be wondering, what does that mean? And I want to speak to our students. We, we have a ton of students in here, a ton of millenniums in this, in this service. And man, I want to let you know, guys, we love you, we appreciate you. And here's what this isn't saying. I'm not telling you not to go to college. I'm not telling you not to pursue a career. You need to pursue a career. You need to do those things. God wants you to do those things. That's all okay. But that's while you're living. What you want to make sure you're also doing is, at the same time, live for eternity. And that's all about your heart focus and what's the most important thing in all the world to you. That's what this is talking about. And there's this really cool guy... Um, Some of you will recognize the name from history. His name's William Gladstone. He lived from 1809 to 1898. What's really unique about William is that he was the prime minister of Great Britain four times. Remarkable. And he's at the end of his life. He's writing his memoirs. He's giving a speech. And this young man who's just starting out wanted to talk with him. And I just want to read you uh, this this talk. It goes like this. What do you hope to do when you graduate from college, Gladstone asked. The young man replied, I hope to attend law school, sir, just as you did. That's a noble goal, said Gladstone. Then what? Well, I hope to practice law and make a good name for myself, defending the poor and the outcasts of society, just as you did. That's a noble purpose, replied Gladstone. Then what? What? Well, sir, I hope one day to stand for Parliament and become a servant of the people, even as you did. That, too, is a noble hope. What then, asked Gladstone. Well, I hope to be able to serve in the Parliament with great distinction, evidencing integrity and concern for justice, even as you did. What then, asked Gladstone. Well, I would hope to serve the government as Prime Minister with the same vigor, dedication, vision, and integrity as you did. And what then, asked Gladstone. Well, I would hope to retire with honors and write my memoirs, even as you are presently doing, so that others can learn from my mistakes and my triumphs. All that's very noble, said Gladstone, and then what? The young man thought for a moment, well, well sir, I suppose I, I, will, I will die then. That's correct, said Gladstone, and then what? The young man looked puzzled. Well, well sir, he answered hesitantly, I, I've never given that any thought. So here's Gladstone and he was a very good Christian man. He taught Sunday school. As the prime minister, he taught Sunday school in his church. Can you imagine that? Here's what he said. He said, young man, the only advice I have for you is to go home, read your Bible, and find out what it means to live for eternity. And he's not telling this man, he's not saying you're pursuing the wrong things. He's not telling them that. He just kept saying, then what? And what he wanted to show this man is, all you're doing is pursuing Doritos only, lace in God's kingdom and make that your number one heart's pursuit while you're doing everything else. Now, Jesus taught the same thing, guys. He taught the same thing. and I'm sure Gladstone got it from Jesus because he's a Sunday school teacher. Listen to what Jesus said Matthew six thirty-three: Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and God will give you everything you need. I love this verse. So here's what God's saying. I'll give you all the Doritos you could ever eat if you pursue the eternal scholarship. And again, what does that look like, guys? In my opinion, it's the most simple thing. I've been pastoring for almost 33 years now, so I I, I see people do it, and I'm so impressed and so proud of people. We have people in this church, young and old, that are doing it. It just simply means you make God's kingdom, God's desires, the number one thing in your life. So uh, you help at church. We have so many volunteers here. It's absolutely amazing. Um, you're always trying to bring someone to church. You're always trying to lead someone to Christ. That's living for the kingdom of God. You do anything you do, wherever you're at, God's the most important thing. And if you and I can get that right, I mean, we're going to get the scholarship and the Doritos, and that's the heart of God for every single one of us in this room. That's the end of our third quarter. This fourth quarter is going to be life-changing. You ready for it? Let's check this video out, guys.
0: So it's 3708, okay. uh, paper, plastic.
1: Plastic. That's the magic word, what? green police.
0: <laughs> you picked the wrong day to mess with the ecosystem, plastic boy. Battery. Battery.
1: Let's go, take the house. Come
0: on. Put the rind down. Sir, that's a compost infection. Uh-oh, did you install these bulbs?
1: Yeah. Tragedy strikes tonight where a man has just been arrested for possession of
0: an incandescent light bulb.
1: What do you guys think about plastic bottles now? The water setting is at 105.
0: Got a TDI here. Clean diesel. You're good to go, sir.
1: Good afternoon, officers. Back like to those styrofoam cups you're drinking from? Yeah. You please step out of the car and put them on the hood. It's nice to see it reversed with the police, right? Step out of the car. This is an amazing commercial to me. And, and I have to say, I love our earth. I really do. I, you would never consider me a green police. But I, I do love our earth. And I'm going to be very open with you and tell on myself and ask you not to judge me. But uh, Gina and I, we began recycling six months ago. So we just started recycling. And we have these neighbors across the street, they're incredible neighbors, and for at least three, four years, I'd watch them every other week bring down this huge can and written on the can, it would say recycle. And I realized they were recycling. Then I'd have this thought, I should recycle. Then I'd have another thought, now nah, that's too much work. And I just, I just didn't do it. And uh, all I could think about is how tough it would be in the house. I had to get multiple cans in the kitchen, then you had to throw this here and that there. And to me, it just seemed like so much work, I just thought, I can't do that. So years passed, and I'd see that recycle can, and I think, oh, I should, but then I said no. But, but then, uh, about seven months ago, I, I, I contacted our neighbors, and I said, hey, we're thinking of recycling. Who do I call? How do I do it? And, and they gave me a number. They told me who they used, and so we began to do it. But you know what I loved about our neighbors? It was, it was so cool. Do you know that when I called them, and, and talked to them about wanting to recycle. Do you know for all those years that I didn't and they did, when they saw me getting the mail or we talked, you know, in our neighborhood, they never once said, there's the earth killer. I can't believe that earth. You're an earth killer. You're killing the earth. They never said a word. They treated me like gold. And even when I called and said, hey, I'm thinking of recycling, can you give me nothing negative? They just gave me what I needed to have. And I think they gave us a spiritual example that's absolutely incredible because for you and I as Christians, you know how God's changing us from the inside out and we're growing and we're becoming more pure and we're living more like Jesus does with our lives. Man, when we begin to look at non-Christians and see that they're not living the life we're living, it's easy to become a spiritual green policeman and it's easy to begin to condemn these people that aren't Christians. And I watch, not necessarily people in this church because I think we've got a good handle on it, but I watch Christians all the time just be spiritual green police. And I really believe what they're doing is they're pushing people away rather than pulling people in. And this was happening in Bible days. So in the Bible, that Paul tried to fix it. He wrote, he, he wrote to Titus, who was a pastor. Here's what he said to try to fix it. He said in Titus 3.1, Remind your people, they must not speak evil of anyone no, nor quarrel, but be gentle and truly con- uh, courteous to all. And he's talking about people and how they live their lifestyle. Verse 3, once we too, now, we're, now he's talking to us that are now Christians, once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled by others and became slaves of many evil pleasures and ric- wicked desires, our lives were full of resentment and envy. We hated others, they hated us. So heart sin and outward sin, again, he's talking about both. And he's saying, guys, remember a day when you didn't follow Jesus? You lived a pretty bad life. Some of you may be not as bad as others, but can can you agree there's something in here for all of us? We all had our faults, right? And God's still growing all of us. But then he says in verse 4 and 5, but when the time came for the kindness and love of God, our Savior, to appear, then he saved us. And I remember the day when Jesus changed me. I accepted him, he saved me from the inside out. It was a remarkable day. Then God began to change me. He's still changing me. I'm still growing, I'm still not perfected. like every one of us in this room. But here's what I learned. I learned when I see Christian, or non-Christians living a life that maybe I wouldn't live, doing things that maybe I wouldn't do, I've learned what this verse said, not to say anything bad about them, not to judge them, not to be mean, not to get in their face like a green police and kind of arrest them and say, you're not living the way God wants you to live. But I've learned just to live God in front of them, be loving, just like my neighbors didn't condemn me just lo- love people, live the life in front of them, and what they really need to grow and change is they need to meet Jesus, just like you and I met Jesus. They can't change till they meet Jesus, and once they meet him, he changes us on the inside. So here's a little saying I used to say, and it goes like this, dogs bark, cat, cats meow, birds tweet, hyenas grin, and people that don't know Jesus sin. So why are we so shocked? When we see them sin, that's just what they do. So what do we do to change them? Well, I think here at Believers, we're doing something remarkable. You know, we have so many visitors every week. And as a matter of fact, we're getting so many that we had to add another table in our lobby to handle all of our our first-time visitors. And last night, Saturday Night Church was crazy. We had a record-breaking crowd. We had tons of visitors. It's happening in this service today. It's an amazing thing. But I really believe people are coming here because when they come they experience something called love and we're, we're understanding they have to meet Jesus before they can change and they they feel accepted so we have people go online and they fill out our surveys online and over and over again you know what I keep hearing guys and I want to commend you for it I keep hearing it over and over again I felt love like I never felt I felt no condemnation service was incredible. It was life-changing. And a big smile comes to my face because, you know, about 50% of the people that visit here are not, they're on church people. So they're not church people. And they're able to walk in here with all the things that are crawling all over them. And they're able to walk in here and feel no condemnation. But you know what God's doing? He's changing them the way you and I were changed. And it's the most amazing thing. So as we finish out this segment... I want to commend you guys for your attitudes. I want to encourage you as you go out into the world not to be judgmental in any way, but just shine the light of Christ. Let people see Jesus. And as they see Jesus in you, they see love and they see kindness coming out of you. Look for those open doors to invite them to church, to share Christ with them, because they have to meet Him before they can ever, ever change. So guys, thanks for doing a great job. And guess what? Score's tied. We have to have overtime. So let's Let's check this last video out. You're going to love this one. When I wake up, well, I know I'm going to be. I'm going to be the man who wakes up next to you. And when I go out, yeah, I
0: know I'm going to be.
1: I'm going to be the man who goes along with you. Well, I will
0: walk 500 miles, and I will walk 500 more just to be
1: What a great story that paints, right? Now, here's what I want to do. Let's, let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much that you pursue us like this man pursued the puppy, Lord. And I thank you that at one time the horses broke loose and you pulled us back home. And Lord, if there's anyone here that's like that puppy, not, not bad people. That puppy was cute. The puppy was feisty. It was a cool puppy. But Lord, they're just not connected to you. May this be the day they become connected to you, just like you did that for me, Lord, and you did that for so many that are in this room. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen to me very carefully. I'm not asking you to join our church right now. I'm not asking you to join a religion. Listen, listen very carefully. I'm not asking you if you grew up in a Christian church or any type of church. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized as a baby or an adult. All those are good things. Everything I mentioned, great things here's what I'm asking you. Can you remember a day in your life when you made it personal and you made it real with Jesus? That's that's where we're at in America. You can grow up religious but never meet Jesus. And I'm just asking you, can you remember that day when you made it personal? Jesus is God's son. Jesus came to the earth to set all of us free, to rescue us. And that's why he died on a cross. That's why God placed the sins, the entire world on him. He went into the grave. God raised him up. Jesus is alive. And here's the message of Jesus. This is what changed my life when I was 19. Jesus declared, whoever calls on my name, I'll save them. Jesus declares, I'm the only way to heaven. Whoever follows me, I'll save their soul. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Here's what I'm asking you right now. Can you remember a day when you said, Jesus, I believe that. I'm going to follow you. And if you can't remember that day, Here's my next question. Why not make that day today? If you're sitting here and you say, Pastor Joe, my heart's touched. I believe what you're saying. And, And God's the only one that can open our eyes up to Jesus. But you're here and you say, I believe that. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the room, would you help them pray? Say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Let's keep praying. Say say this at me. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I receive you as my Savior and make a decision to follow you today. Amen.